All right, today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Ah, Jack Daniels, that old Tennessee whiskey. Not bourbon. It's not bourbon. I don't care where you found it in the liquor store. Anyway, what don't we know about this old whiskey? Apparently a lot. So uh, pour a shot, or maybe a double, follow your heart, and have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker, because we're still short of Casey. He, <laughs> Look, he was supposed to. He was supposed to We put in a request to HR, <laughs> went through the proper channels, Linda approved his time off. She did. She did. All right, uh, so how has everyone been? It's actually, so we're finally back to... Doing things live, all the time traveling we've had to do recently has uh, kind of <laughs> thrown things off a bit because we were some screwed up recordings had to be redone weeks later, and it was uh, we've left you guys kind of just like in this weird limbo. I don't know to you, mate. To you all, maybe it didn't work out that way, but to me, this has just been a complete head trip because it was like, oh no, we we did like. Didn't do an episode and then did like three episodes, like crammed into like one and a half nights, and then it was, I had a weekend off. And I forgot we were streaming until yesterday at like six o'clock. <laughs> I mean, at least it was yesterday. You were... <laughs> yeah, I had enough time to go to the liquor store. Yeah, I'm thoroughly confused. But in this uh, time warp, uh, has anyone been up to anything interesting? I have. I didn't uh, really get that in there. Yeah. No. I. Uh... I had uh, I did do something with our time off. Uh, I participated in the Diamond Club B Team Winter Movie Draft. Oh uh, yes, uh, really the more difficult of movie drafts. Well, uh, Casey's Casey's usually your partner for our drafting for Have a Drink because we suck, and Casey <laughs> has been unavailable, so you were flying yes. flying solo. They they asked me if I was confident and I could carry the team, and I went, no, I've never been confident in my entire life. But you know what? I can do this. <laughs> At the very least, I can fail alone. We're going to go for it, though. Uh, no, we had, had, a, had a lot of fun. Uh, us, uh, uh, it was me for our show. We had uh, W. Scottis one and uh, Fitz, I believe, were on a team. Uh, I forget the name of their team name of all the teams i had the stuff up a minute ago and it, it's a couple closed windows ago but we also had people from uh uh the diamond club movie party the the vod squad uh ritual so misery. It, yeah ritual yeah. misery yes 
uh, our good friends couldn't name us. So it was it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had uh, had an odd slate of movies. Uh, I yeah. no no you did you did excellent because before you well, left well, here said, like our 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 movie choices were were solid. I just meant that overall the list oh, of yeah. movies to choose from yeah yeah were odd. But we did yeah we did come out with a pretty good slate. Given how yeah. competitive I think this like, I think we have, season of movies was. So last time we had, uh, we had I think the same amount of movies, didn't we? Like four movies, something like that. But, but only we had one like of Infinity them, War to carry us. We yeah. had Infinity War, and then we had whatever like leftovers we could grab along the way. And mm-hmm. uh, I think I think Justin did great mm-hmm. with uh, our lineup this this time around. So, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you managed to grab? Well, uh, first, the first movie coming out we've got is uh, Halloween. Uh, <laughs> so, I need everybody to go out and watch that, please. I, yeah, you don't have to convince me to go out and watch it. I want to see this because not only is it Halloween, it's Halloween uh, going back and pretending like everything <laughs> past the second Halloween movie didn't happen. Yeah. They're just going, nope, throw all that garbage out, and we're going to come right back in. And it, You had the first movie, the second movie, and then we're jumping, you know, like 30 years later. And it's going to be Jamie Lee Curtis as a badass. And I'm like, Which uh, we I'm knew. Down. You know, we knew. I mean. Also, Danny McBride is the director of this. Wait, what? Huh. Danny, Eastbound, I don't think I knew that. <laughs> Eastbound and Down, Danny McBride was the director and like co-producer. Like he did all of this. Good job. He's trying to trying to, to to move muscle into uh uh which one of them was it? Key and, and Pill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He also did. Um, I'm pretty sure on Alien Covenant, he did like some oh, writing right. work and stuff mm. on there. Yeah. So oh, okay. He has been well, working his way into the horror genre. Uh, we also ended up with uh, uh, The Grinch. Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. Good, good, good grab. Good holiday uh, holiday movie. I, animated, I, yeah. not the monstrous Jim Carrey version. Yes. Having been forced to watch it last year with my niece, I just wanted to kill myself. <laughs> but we watched the trailer for this one. It actually looks really funny. And you've got Benedict Cumberbatch as the Grinch, which, you Mm -hmm. know, if plus, okay. so when we were in um, last weekend, when we had that off, my nephew, my 12 year old nephew was super pumped about this movie. And I'm like, okay, this is good. I like it because (laughs) Cumberbatch isn't doing his American hard R's (laughs) accents. I'm British and I'm an American. How is Martin Freeman so much better at that accent than he is? I know, right? right? It's kind of crazy. But yeah, he cannot do an American accent to save his no. life. He's doing a weird well, just character accent Yeah, he, for he this, just went into good. a character. He's, and... he's actually done an American accent to save his life. But that's neither here <laughs> yeah. nor there. Uh, yeah. Either um, way, the movie looks good. And I love that uh, Pharrell Williams is the one narrating. <laughs> I'm excited just to see that now. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, we we also ended up with uh, the girl in the spider's web. Uh, that that's our toss up. <laughs> look, we got that one because we needed a movie at the end, Money. and it yeah. was literally we literally got to the end and went, okay, well, if I bit like we broke down like the last three movies of going like, okay, well, there's no reason to bid. 
I'm getting it for this, you're getting it for that, and then they're not getting any movies. Yeah, it was basically <laughs> bid and take it, or just leave the money on the table. Mm. Yeah, so... so uh, and then, those both come out November 9th, so... Oh, wow. A uh, l- little bit of stuff to watch, and then uh, we've also got uh, Mary Poppins Returns. I think that'll be a big shower. I feel good about that Lynn one. Lin-Manuel Miranda is involved. If, yeah, it, it's basically, we, we've got to hope it everything hits right. If everything hits perfectly, yes, we've got a very solid slate of movies. If anything underperforms, we're in, like, third or fourth <laughs> Solid place. third, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I, I mean, so Mary Poppins has the advantage of a family Disney Christmas movie. I mean, it's not about Christmas, but it, it, it literally At comes Christmas. out, like, the week of Christmas or something. And the cast is ridiculous. So I feel like, and then if, if anybody, for anybody who loves musicals or just the nostalgia part of it, that's going to help us too. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be, uh, I don't know. The, the whole draft's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I'm yeah. looking forward to see how everything, looking forward to seeing how everything plays out. But, uh, you know. Uh, I also uh, decided that perhaps drafting solo while drinking an entire bottle of uh, Backwoods Bastard may have not been the best idea. An entire bomber of bomber, not not just a twelve ouncer, an entire bomber, seven fifty milliliters. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a long draft, uh, uh, but it was it was it was a lot of fun. I I loved hanging out with everyone. By the way, it was a. Uh, 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 I guess Drunk Kids Gaming was the other one. Although oh, uh, maybe yeah. they're supposed to have changed. No, that was Game Night. Game Night. Dr- I don't know. There's Drunk a lot Kids of names Gaming here. Was on there. Game Night. Uh, yeah. No, I'm just looking at the thing because the teams are Ritual Misery, Movie Party, Have a Drink, Fod Squad, Game Night, and Drunk Kids Gaming. Drunk Kids Gaming was Curly and his sister. Yep. That's the that's the team I'm forgetting. There we yeah. go. Uh, sorry, brain shut down for <laughs> a minute. Yeah, if if wanna, it ever started. If you want to watch the actual draft, which is always like really the funnest thing, uh, that's over on W. Scottish One's Twitch channel, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he streamed it on Twitch. It was it's a lot of fun. Uh, you can you can watch uh, watch me and uh, 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 Boodle Puncher essentially just keep trying to rack up bids. Oh yeah, there there were some <laughs> some bidding wars that were breaking out, and it was pretty great. Uh, you know what? There were some movies though that I was very glad I, I, we didn't get, and I kind of want to mention them real quick. Uh, uh, Johnny English Strikes Again. <laughs> glad I didn't end up with that movie. Uh, also, um, uh, what was the other one that I thought was going to be terrible? Uh, I didn't get Nutcracker in the Four Realms. I, I still <laughs> am going back and forth on that one because it's literally a Christmas movie. Literally and, a Christmas movie looks like heart gar- hot garbage, but what I think of it doesn't matter. I was going to say that doesn't that's not important. Well, and that's also where I get to like Mortal Engines. I don't know what I saw. I finally saw a full trailer for that, and I just looked. I just sighed heavily. I'm I like this looks awful. Okay, so yes, what? I agree with you on that, but apparently it's from like a book series, and so the people who are about the book series are actually excited. And I was like, I don't know what this is. What I was, yeah, what I was hoping to get uh, to get for kind of cheap, but that didn't happen. Was uh, Holmes and Watson? 
Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I, I got this... that for like under under like uh, let's let's consult my paper here that I have. Um, <laughs> under about like twenty five dollars, I'd have been happy. But uh, no, I made out an entire that's great sheet with names, dates, and uh, uh, rough bid estimates. Uh, so I don't know. We'll we'll see how we do. It's this one was tricky. Like you couldn't you couldn't pick the. It's not like the summer one where you can like like we picked Avengers. You know, like there was no big ticket that was just like this is going to carry us through. You know, like for for the winter draft so much. Um, because the animated we, ones are always hard to to gauge, and then I, we bid heavily on family this time. We yeah, did because of the time of year and because everything. of the nostalgia holiday season. too, and nostalgia. That's true. oh yeah, I, I, I'll always bid have no everything. We only have one movie that's not nostalgia, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you have Halloween, The Grinch, Mary Poppins. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we're just all in <laughs> on the nostalgia. Yeah, that was that was a strategy this year. Nostalgia. Um, well, I, okay, so I don't think we've been up to that much on our end. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I put myself in a predicament this morning by, uh, what I ate last night. That was fun. Uh, someone didn't stop me. We went to Whole Foods to the hot bar and, uh, I've turned it into a game to see if I can elicit reactions from the cashier from the weight of the box of food that I'm taking up there. It's just not a good idea. No, it's not. And and it's I, so I, expensive, but it's really good food. I missed how <laughs> I missed the weight. So the last time we went, I remember she was just like, "This is probably the heaviest box I've ever rang up," and I was just kind of proud of that. I'm like, "Oh, okay." So this time I was like, "Let's see if we can do it again." And there was a lot of good food on the bar, and I was like, "You know what? I'll go through some of this." And then I ended up eating the whole box. It it weighed over. It was. I remember the cost was over twenty four dollars for the box alone. I don't know what the weight was. Someone knows the conversion there of what you pay per pound. Yeah, I can't remember how much the actual, like, uh... <laughs> this hot bar. Well, you I go... just looked down to see, see Media King going, tell me more of this hot bar. So The Whole so, Foods hot bar is amazing, It actually. is. That one was packed with Cajun, like yesterday it was Cajun fish, Cajun chicken, Ooh. Nashville, oh. Nashville hot chicken, yeah. uh, mashed oh. potatoes, macaroni and cheese, um, what else? I've not heard a no yet. <laughs> they always have really good veg options too, but um, yeah, I got there. Um, it is there. It is <laughs> the veg. The well, veg. you. I don't know if you want to. You'd want to try it, but they also had buffalo fried tofu. Uh, no, it wasn't fried. It was just buffalo tofu, and I got some of that as well. It was pretty good. But uh, usually they'll do chicken fried tofu, which is all right. Tofu just takes on the flavor of whatever you've got it on. Uh, roasted butternut squash was also on there. <laughs> Tyler's like BRB running to your Whole Foods. No joke. But anyway, I filled this box with all of that. I'm just like packing oh, the, it all the in. Oh, and the mac and cheese. You got the yeah. I said the mac oh, and okay. cheese. Sorry, because so, they have the best mac and cheese, straight yeah. up. So I could I could barely get the box closed. There's like grease pouring out the sides <laughs> as I get it closed. <laughs> we go through there. It's like twenty four dollars for the box alone. And I'm like whatevs, and I didn't get a reaction, so I was kind of disappointed on that. <laughs> then we get home. And I'm like, all right, and I just start eating it, and I keep eating it, and I keep eating it. And after a while, I've slowed down, and she's like, "Oh, are you done with that? Are you like giving him like, no, I'm still eating this." <laughs> and then I Who's eat. Who's the and, pregnant one here? I mean. Depends on what you define as pregnant. <laughs> no, she's so pregnant. Baby. She's so pregnant she can't eat hardly anything. Now. Yeah, he's taking up a lot of room. It's now. all baby, <laughs> all baby. I felt so full from 
breakfast and lunch yesterday that I thought I was going to die. Like, I felt sick. So by the time dinner happened, I was just like, no, we're done. <laughs> anyway, I ate this whole box. And I was... Ate the whole foods. The whole foods. <laughs> the whole of the whole foods, yeah. The whole of the whole foods was in my stomach. And I was satisfied. Very satisfied. Until this morning. Until this morning when I get up to go to beer releases. And I'm like, oh, I've got like 30 minutes to clean myself up and get ready. It's like I take two steps and my stomach goes... <laughs> so though you had good food, the combination and the so, quantity... I think the quantity is what got me. Um, so we make a, a run for the bathroom. And I'm sitting in there contemplating my life choices. That's <laughs> a contemplating mortality. <laughs> and my stomach is like violently cramping. It's like, there's too much in here. We got to get this out. But nothing's moving because you didn't have a lot of fiber with any of this. It was a lot of, like, meat products. And, and the cramping... Fiber just slows you down. <laughs> the cramping gets so severe that I'm just sitting on the toilet crying, wishing, <laughs> wishing anything else was going on in the world. Holocaust round two, I don't know anything oh. but that. But I get, th like, I get through it. And we get to the, uh, the release finally this morning over at Listerman and we were there were like five of us in line we kind of felt like losers but whatever I don't care whatever better thing everyone else had to do we were the cool kids screw y'all but as soon as they open the doors to get to the bathrooms I'm like I'm gonna go christen this toilet and it's like round two for what happened this morning so I'm just like at the brewery crying wishing I was dead <laughs> also media king that usually happen that usually doesn't happen at open that happens at close <laughs> depending, yeah. depending on what you're there for, yes. Uh, so media, you, media King, release. I see what you did there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it was multiple releases. <laughs> uh, well, oh, right. I'm not proud of that. <laughs> Aren't you? No. No, not at all. All right. Uh, I yeah. figured why not share that. I mean, I shared jerking off into cups with you guys, so. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, on my end, I, I just, uh, it's really just been the baby being like, yo, uh, I'm still here. Because <laughs> he's, he's kicking. Hey, and, and me being never comfortable anymore. That's a thing, apparently. And everything I look up and it's like, oh yeah, your third trimester sucks. Uh, you will never feel comfortable again. And <laughs> congratulations. So, um, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm looking at the chat. It's very distracting. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I had, yeah, oh, okay. So Tyler went to the hippo party at Listerman. Tyler's mm -hmm. in town and we get to finally see him tomorrow. So that's exciting. Um, some of us, sorry, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, my only thing is like, I feel like crap from not sleeping well, which is everybody's like, well, yeah, cause welcome to your life now. But, uh, I woke up at one thirty this morning. And then again, just after he left at 6.30 this morning, and then went back to bed, or back to sleep on the couch, which Shoot. was more comfortable than the bed. And you say back to bed, back to couch. Yeah, back to couch for another three hours. So my whole body and, and self has just been like, what are you doing today? <laughs> what are you trying to accomplish here? But so, yeah, it's just been like, meh, all day. Um, and that's what my life is now for the next few months. All right. <laughs> uh but in, in better news, we also will still have another live show next week. We're back on track with normal scheduling 
Hopefully Casey will be back. Yeah, hopefully Casey will be here. And but, we probably uh, won't do a new segment because we'll finally do a big, long thing about GABF. And he can tell us about what he saw and experienced and tasted. And then we can go over the winner's list and talk about some of the, like where I was at today. One of a, a local brewery here won Best Small Brewery and Brewer. Hmm. And that was Brink. And they did a big celebration today for it. Spoilers. Uh, yeah, so our next live episode, again, hopefully normal, will be uh, next Saturday, October 13th, and uh, it's at 9 p.m. Eastern. We will be covering beer cocktails. Mmm. I have some have some work I have to do next week. <laughs> oh, Tyler said it was a thousand degrees out, so I don't blame you. And I was like, no, no. Uh, I was inside all day, and uh, with the window, with the blinds closed pretending like the outside wasn't real <laughs> because the the temperatures here are stupid and it's not going to get better until like next weekend i don't think oh, mm. i hate it october in the 80s it's stupid all right so uh we told you guys uh the draft happened for the winter movie draft and i believe we have uh have some results we have for the, the first... first update in the winter movie draft and just to to preamble first update for us yeah uh, we want to also make sure to say thank you, Big Voice J. Uh, hopefully this is the right oh, yeah. file. <laughs> but uh, yes, um, it, he makes all the, the weekends better. So He is a, he's a national treasure. <laughs> Welcome to your BT Movie Draft Minute presented by DiamondClub.tv for the week of September 30th, 2018. Oh, no. I'm your host, Big one. Voice J. Well, look at here. We got us a horse race. Poop. No, that is right. No, that's, that's the right one. Go is back. It, it? Yeah, because it is the week yeah. of September 30th. Well, let's redo that. <laughs> Welcome <Sorry>. to your <laughs> BT Movie Draft Minute, presented by DiamondClub.tv, for the week of September 30th, 2018. I'm your host, Big Boys Jay. Well, look at here. We got us a horse race. A horse race of two. Let's go to the scoreboard. Team Drunk Kids Gaming is in last place, thanks to a strong start to the weekend from Venom, bringing their total to $32.7 million. Teams Game Night, The Vod Squad, Have a Drink, and Movie Party are all tied for fifth place. And on top of the heap this week is Team Ritual Misery, thanks to A Star is Born and Night School, bringing their total to $53.7 million. That's your Movie Draft Minute. All totals are accurate as of October 6, 2018. Venom doing Night. a lot better than I thought it would. Yeah, the reviews have been garbage though. <laughs> well, they've Night been Shul. Night Shul is doing. Yeah, the Night Shul. A... Night Shul. What is uh, what is that? Why wasn't it Night Shoe? Because go... it was a it was a typo. It was a typo, but the, I wanted it to be Night Shoe, which was the typo for uh, Scan School. Uh, by the end of it, I was calling it Night So. So. <laughs> um... No, that uh, we put that one in because what got bumped? Uh, Hellboy got bumped. Yeah. Oh. So okay. we we like, just subbed that in, and uh, I don't know this. It's movie. a okay. It's a scam shoe. Uh, it is a uh, uh, Kevin Hart movie where he. Oh! As soon as you said that, I was like, okay, no. Nope, goes I know to what this night is. school and yeah, yeah. has a, has confrontations with the teacher, and you can tell by the end of it they're gonna be like in love and whatever. And yeah. Who cares? <laughs> but hey um, that man makes money he's like he's almost yes. tyler perry level because small people are funny now look we all know short people don't got no reason to live <laughs> that's what randy newman taught me um 
no um yeah uh they've venom's doing better than i thought it would out of the gate well no venom's doing about what i thought it would out of the gate i don't know how it's going to do yeah if that's gonna die like if everyone's gonna be like and we're not going back to see that (laughs) yeah i mean there's there's definitely still an audience for it because just so many people don't care and they're just excited for a venom movie um and they don't care about like the reviews and stuff but like i'm i'm surprised about the reviews being what they are hmm all right. right. Well, well, we actually uh, have untapped badges this week, as opposed well, we to like last news. Time. We have news first. Oh yeah, that's true. I skipped over it entirely. Uh, I was excited about the untapped badges. Is what it came down to. Because <laughs> an entire episode, new episode of news, isn't enough. We have even more here. So there has been a big debacle going on in New Jersey. Uh, if you follow craft beer on any social media, you've probably seen some rumblings about this. So, little more than a week after issuing hefty revisions to the laws governing microbrewery operations in the state, the New Jersey Division of Alcohol Beverage Control, the ABC, reversed course, suspending enforcement of the special ruling uh, issued on September 21st. ABC said that the about face would yield the opportunity to engage in further conversations with stakeholders about the impact of the rules, uh, the rules changed. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just picturing them going, hashtag, join the conversation. <laughs> including, including an update to the 2012 amendment to state liquor laws that established brewery tasting rooms. So this has been a big thing for a lot of different states with really strict uh, liquor laws, are tasting rooms and what breweries can and can't do on premise. So... Uh, I had to pull up another article to find all the stuff that lists out now, what what could have caused such such a stir in New Jersey? Well, the new laws that they were putting in, this was because uh, bars and, uh, I guess, restaurants offering alcohol sales were, are feeling the, the hurt from people not coming out to drink there anymore on the weekends because they're all going to the breweries. And they're the ones who have kind of been pushing behind this. But these new regulations... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just picturing me screaming at the restaurant industry going, Your failures are your own, old man! <laughs> Pretty much. So, uh, some of these regulations, this was all by law. Tours would be required. So, the I mean, new laws say... I, it's fine, I'll go to a tour every brewery. <laughs> well, the, for us, yes, but people <laughs> just going to have a couple drinks. What if it's your third time being there? This is, no matter what, if you come through that door, you're t- you're taking a tour. So, tours are required by anyone who wants to come into the brewery and sample or buy beer to drink on premises. And they wait, are wait. required... So they're, they're saying, like, just to go and get a drink, you have to go on the tour as yes. well. Not not just that they have to offer a tour. They don't. Have, it's not that they just have to offer it. You have to. If you come through the door and you want a drink, you have to take the tour before you can have a drink. Okay, sorry. I, I misunderstood. Also, good branding. <laughs> And the required every time, not just the first visit. Again, so if you have a favorite haunt, you could be taking that tour 20 to 30, 40, 50, however many times you go there, you'd have to take you, every You could time. make that a game, though. <laughs> like, do you know, like a... You go in... Huh? I'm picturing like a hidden Mickey thing. Like, just, just, just was, do that I was for the I going to go with like the Hall of Presidents, where you go in and you just... Just cheer for random presidents. Oh, oh right. Uh, yeah. Start cheering for random points in the in the tour. All right. And well, here we come to the fermenters. Woo! 
All right. Uh, the ABC defines tours as any form of engagement with brewery visitors on the licensed premises that communicates information about the brewery and brewing process. In some breweries, that's been a video that they play before tasting any beer. At others, it's a pamphlet handed out in the brew room. Um, I would I would take that as, over there's the fermenter, there's the mash tin, here's your beer. <laughs> All right, well, uh, some positive ones. They can now sell snacks. Hmm. Uh, breweries aren't like restaurants. They can't make or sell their own food on site. They're hmm. not even allowed to offer it for free. And the one of these laws is like, yeah, they could do some snacks. That's weird. So, uh, some more here. We have no more special events inside unless they get a permit. Uh, but what what is a special event, you might ask? Trivia nights, paint and mm. sip, live music, any live music, live sporting events, Jeez. and yoga nights. I don't know if anyone has seen, like, the yoga nights, or uh, usually it's, like, Sunday mornings, like, weekend mornings. They mm -hmm. would do yoga at a lot of breweries. Those are hugely popular. I've heard brewers talking about that is the most crowded and packed they get. Yeah. Is for those events. Really? Yes. We, we have a lot of them up here. Uh, do you? Madtree huh. does so, it. Oh. So, when I say live sporting events, I mean if they are playing an NFL game on TV, a live game, that is a live sporting event. They have to apply for a permit to show that on their TVs. That's dumb. It's almost <laughs> like they're just trying to shut down all these breweries. Like... What are you doing? You want to do quiz? You want a quiz night? Got to have a permit for it. Uh, Sunday morning or end of the week yoga stretch, followed by some refreshing paleos. Got to get a permit for it, which is pretty crazy. Brewery owners would be also limited to only twenty-five of these permits available per year. What the hell? Can't even. Can you get through a whole? Well, you might be able to get through a football season with that, but. But that would be it. Like, still, that, like yeah. you basically can't do the yoga thing at all anymore because no one's going to take priority for that. Like, I. All right. Uh, that's just dumb. <laughs> so, uh, parties. Uh, a lot of breweries and places like to pull things in and do like uh, block parties. We have a lot of places around here that do it. It's great. Uh, restaurants and bars with a retail consumption license are required to get special permits from the state if they want to extend their booze serving privileges beyond the borders of their licensed facility. Uh, there were no regulations in place for brewery owners to do this. Now there are. If they want to have an event uh, on an adjacent adorning sidewalk, parking lot, or similar area, they'll need a limited brewery extension of premises special permit. So New Jersey is the no-fun state now? Uh, well, this one gets even weirder. Off Premise partying. Uh, same goes for bringing the party away from the brewery completely. If they want to participate in beer, music, or art festivals or civic athletic events, they'll need a special permit specifically for off-premise events. They have to get a permit to not sell their liquids at the brewery. <laughs> the limit of 12 of those per year? Uh, yeah. Brewery's limited to 12 permits of this type a year. So, I'm sorry, what did they say the point of this was? It like, was shoot. trying to even it out because the bars and restaurants were feeling like things were unfair. Yeah, because protectionism is always a good idea. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, it's just like there's no good reason for well, it. Well, uh, things get even weirder. What breweries can't do during these off-premise events. When they obtain an off-premise permit... 
uh, or extend the premises of their brewery for an event on the sidewalk or parking lot, they can't provide food other than prepackaged snacks and water. Operate as a restaurant. Coordinate with food vendors to sell food. So no food trucks. Sell any other type of alcohol drinks except for what they make. Sell, bev- sell beverages for off-premise consumption like kegs, cases, or six-packs. <clears throat> Jesus. There will also be limits on private parties. So you want to host an event for work at a local brewery or chamber meeting or what, a baby shower perhaps? <laughs> uh, <laughs> breweries are limited to 52 private parties on their property each year. And they're limited to what they can do with those parties. No other alcohol is allowed to be sold or served. The party can't uh, bring outside food. Uh, the party has to be in an area that's separate from the tasting room by a permanent or temporary structure. We just should say a structure. Permanent or temporary. It's like So a structure then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, non-party goers can't be allowed into the party area. Like this, that's, uh, there, and there's just a handful of more regulations. This was dumb like yeah. really bad so uh it took less than a week for them to completely walk this back because of uh the outrage and uh what they go to say is we want to make sure that we get this right said uh abc director david ribel in a statement we are <laughs> where are they because i feel like they got it pretty wrong on the first try yeah We are committed to supporting the state's growing craft beer industry while also balancing the concerns of other stakeholders and ensuring compliance with the state law. Rival Statements notes that the legislature never intended the limited uh, license to give craft breweries the same privileges of a consumption venue, such as a sports bar or restaurant. So they're saying that it was never intended for tap rooms to be what they have become uh in recent years however a growing number of craft breweries began serving alcohol well beyond what the limited license allowed or never envisioned statement read that's basically saying we didn't think growlers and crowlers were going to be a thing uh this resulted in complaints of unfair competition from bars and restaurant owners who hold licenses allowing full retail privileges Following today's announcement, ABC will confer with the same stakeholders it previously consulted and invite other parties, probably meaning the breweries. Including craft breweries most affected by the special ruling. (laughs) To further understand their concerns, I I wonder why they'd have concerns about this and ways to address them within the confines of the existing legal framework and limitations set by the limited brewery license. So, yeah, it's... The really, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I they're trying their best not to shoot themselves in the foot, but the first one was a bit draconian. Yeah, oh, yeah, it basically made it pointless to even exist in New Jersey as a brewery. Yeah, it's and just, it, you, like you needed to be a brewer, you need to be a place that could sell beer to your local gas station. Yeah, so basically, if you're a brewery, they're saying all you like you can. Do samples to people who come to take a tour, but that is it. Like you can't, you're not meant to be operating like a bar. Like the the limited license that you were uh, that you bought doesn't allow for that. Even though you have been operating like that, that is illegal. And they're trying to now shut all that down. 
And they're going to be very sad if they do because it is a huge industry and so it makes money for the like I don't understand you know like the, where the thought is it's because the, the it sounds like the bars and restaurants got all kinds of butt hurt and and you know wanted to take their ball and go home and and you know cry about it to to legislature and New Jersey's like yeah we don't like money either so like, let's no, close said, all the breweries they like, said we like money and we've traditionally made a lot of money off of bars and restaurants with alcohol sales and this whole new brewery thing is just going to mess that whole what we're used to up it's just yeah, so dumb so... it's such an old way of thinking it's just, it's like no other you don't hear about this anywhere else where they're just like no no we're yeah let's let's pimp up this whole uh we have breweries thing yeah we'll start to see sense. this is gonna evolve and we will see the arguments for this moving along you can follow it uh, just about everywhere with uh, beer news. Well, as we get updates, we'll keep updating the story to see how it happens. But basically, from what I've seen, a lot of New England area is kind of backwards when it comes to legislature mm. about breweries and tap rooms. So strange. Well, you know what you can do in breweries and tap rooms? You check into some badges. You get riggedy, riggedy, yeah, so we do like Brittany was excited about a minute ago. <laughs> we do have some badges. Finally, it's a plethora of badges because we've gone weeks and weeks and weeks without ne- anything that's not some kind of weird beer week or a whatever. beer week in some ne- random. Next week we'll have no badges at all, <laughs> probably. But this week we've got I was born. It got the uh, I was born yesterday badge from uh, from Lagunitas. If you want a fresh, uh, if you want that fresh, fresh kind of unfiltered pale ale, look no further than the wet hopped, lupulin drenched goodness mm. in that born yesterday from Lagunitas. Hops are a vital ingredient in beer. Of the four, <laughs> fact. Uh, <laughs> but wet hops uh, used in the brew uh, in this brew are a one of a kind, never the same twice element that are picked fresh and flown in straight from. Yakima, right? Yakima? Uh, We were talking that kind of fresh. Uh, Partake in this year's batch and not only be rewarded with fresh dankness that comes along with Born Yesterday, but also some brand new badges if you're into that sort of thing. And if you're on Untapped, you're into that sort of thing. First, crack up at a Born Yesterday between October 8th and November 8th. So, you know. Soon and for basically a month, uh, and every savory uh, savor every hoppy sip. And once you do, you can check in, uh, check in, and unlock the "I was born yesterday" badge. Now, you and your friend could be born leaders by checking into one born yesterday and tagging a friend. Be sure to take uh, take in all its unfiltered glory and snap a photo to unlock the contents under the fresher badge. Uh, contents under fresher badge. Uh, <laughs> Finally, change up your surroundings by checking into one born yesterday at two different locations. Be sure to add the locations to your check-in, and you'll earn the Born to Run badge. <laughs> Baby, you were born to run. This is but, funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of like neutral on Lagunitas beer, but that sometimes their names are really great, I have to say. <laughs> I mean, how many weed puns can you take? Well, not even just that, like the, 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 oh, geez, the hop under pressure or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. Like, just boom, good boom, job. Boom, boom, yeah. 
Next up, we have uh, one from Founders. That I think this is what an annual badge. You said it pretty much now. It yeah. seems every year about this time, this badge pops up. Man, uh, I'm so lukewarm on Founders now. After we had the listen to the news show, guys, and there's some stuff going on, and it just makes me feel weird. Oh, because one person. Oh. Well, hey, because no. some people in the company are not as good at. I, I, they said, you know, we had her talk about it. It's fine. Anyway, yes. But they have a badge, and it's for a beer that most people enjoy. Um, and this is making also me want pancakes right now. Uh, mm. <laughs> it says, uh, this is breakfast for dinner. So when you're craving a cup of joe in the evening but don't want to be wired all night, reach for the founder's breakfast stout. Just like having breakfast for dinner, this delicious stout is brewed with two types of coffee, bitter and imported chocolates, and a massive amount of flaked oats. Uh, and who doesn't want breakfast for dinner? I mean, that's just blasphemy if you don't. Guys, I really want some biscuits and gravy right now. Mm. I Oh, I've been... Yeah, we got to have some last weekend, and I was like, this is amazing. Mm. Uh, so you check into one breakfast uh, stout from Founders during the whole month of October, and you will get rewarded with the breakfast for dinner badge, which has the little kid eating pancakes. and Well, not pancakes. It has a pancake of the kid eating, <laughs> like... Cereal or... Yeah, oatmeal, I assume, or something. But yeah. That's what makes me want pancakes. I got this one uh, during the news show. Oh. Oh. Uh, the Eat, Drink, and Be Scary with Dogfish Head badge. This October, a lot of October badges. Uh, our friends at Dogfish Head are all about the treats, offering you the chance to unlock a brand new badge. This year's badge of... <laughs> Sorry, you said treats. I was like, oh, I can get some 90 Minute right now? Like, oh, yeah. teleported into my hand? Oh, 90 Minutes all the time. Uh, this year's batch of pumpkin ale is hitting shelves just in time for fall celebrations. Featuring smooth hints of pumpkin, brown sugar, and allspice, it's a perfect complement to the cooler weather. If you're in the it's mood... degrees out. I know, it's kind of gross. If you're in the mood for something a little bolder, Flesh and Blood IPA is an honest-to-goodness India Pale Ale brewed with a bevy of real citrus. So, on these hotter days, you could also get it by throwing back a Flesh and Blood IPA. Enjoy these fantastic dogfish head offerings, and you'll be rewarded uh, by checking into a flesh and blood or pumpkin ale during the month of October. And the eat, drink, and be scary badge is all yours. I really like the look of that badge. It's like one of the one of those badges where I'm like, I wish there were stickers for these. You know, you could make them. That's work. You could just copy this image. It's a lot of work, Bob. <laughs> it is. It is. You know, it's not a lot of work. New to the Nosh, check in and win. Whether you're new to Uinta's uh, Hop Nosh family, wow, didn't realize I'd have this badge and I'm wearing this hat. <laughs> uh, or the returning uh, favorite variety of another round, uh, check into any one Hop Nosh flavor, Hop Nosh Original, Tangerine Hop Nosh, or Grapefruit Hop Nosh between September 26th and October 26th, so time is running out. Uh, and you'll unlock the new Tunash badge. Each check-in will also be eligible for a weekly drawing to receive Uinta gear. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, including a Hopnosh cooler uh, picnic basket. I always kind of want to call them picnic baskets, but that's because I watched <laughs> a lot of Yogi Bear. Yeah. Uh, if you're into notes of pine, lime zest, and uh, tangerine zest, or fresh squeezed white grapefruit, the Hopnosh family from Uinta has you covered. 
Uh, the original flagship hop nosh boasts an assertive uh, bitterness and a vibrant floral hop aromatics balanced with a hefty dose of caramel malts, while tangerine hop nosh features aromatic menagerie of uh, tropical hops and juicy tangerine flavors. Go figure. Uh, running out the group is grapefruit hop nosh and it's tangy, juicy, slightly sweet, uh, featuring a bright burst of fresh squeezed white grapefruit. Hmm. And then you can learn all more about the hop nosh at uintobrewing.com. I remember really liking the tangerine one. Oh, yeah. Hop nosh and the variants are all really good. Mm hmm. But yeah, looks like that does it for Untapped. It's nice to see some badges again. Yeah. Yeah. But I believe we have a, uh, a topic. Been up that truck. Sneaky bastards. Been up that truck. Been up that truck. Been up that truck. This is, this uh, is a, a heavy one, as uh, Marty would say. This is heavy, Doc. <laughs> you keep using that word. Is there something wrong with Earth's gravitational field in the future? No, everybody's just morbidly obese. I mean, that's just... Very fair. Uh, Well, no, we are talking about Jack Daniels and also Tennessee whiskey in general. So, let's start off by talking about the difference between Tennessee whiskey and, you know, the one true whiskey, bourbon. Uh, Tennessee whiskey is made in the same fashion as bourbon, except not as well. Oh, wait. (laughs) Sorry, I'm editorializing again. Uh, It's 51% corn with the rest of the mash bill being filled out with rye and barley, aged in charred new white oak barrels. It's differentiated differentiated by one more step, known as the Lincoln County process. Okay, what's the Lincoln County process? To be labeled a Tennessee whiskey, the whiskey must be charcoal filtered prior to aging. Because, you know... You're a wuss. Because <laughs> it's it's too rough and harsh on you. withhold some judgment here. I know, here. I know. I'm just making jokes. It's fine. Uh, it, it actually, the charcoal is used for Tennessee whiskey is obtained from a specialty selected uh, sugar maple trees, which are often seasonally bur- uh, burned on the uh, on the premises to make charcoal. Charcoal is used for distilling and filtration processes. It, also, uh, it removes the color from white aged uh, from aged white rums. Uh, you know, so you're losing something there. Uh, and the here it is thought the result to be a smoother overall product, which is why the Lincoln County process is referred to as charcoal mellowing. Where sometimes I just want campfire in a bottle. <laughs> okay, I'm making all these jokes. I will let it known the first whiskey I believe I had was Jack Daniels. It was that or Jameson. Both very smooth whiskeys, so... Well, yeah. Jameson more so than the other, but... But yeah, Irish whiskey's definitely the smoothest, I think, so... Uh, anyway, other whiskeys can be made in Tennessee, but unless they're 51% corn and use the Lincoln County process, they won't be labeled the Tennessee whiskey. Rather, uh, if they are made with a large portion of rye or corn, they might be called the Tennessee rye or a corn whiskey. Uh, there's also been some dispute over whether whiskeys made in Tennessee but aged elsewhere, like Kentucky, can still be labeled the Tennessee whiskey. Uh, from a drinker's perspective, though, the uh, expect something rich and mellow and slightly lighter than bourbon, since the extra, extra filtration removes more uh, cogeners. That's the word. Sure. Okay. I didn't pay attention to that. Sorry. I mean, it's going to remove a lot of those subtle notes. Well, at George Dickel, 
Tennessee's other famed whiskey producer, things are a bit different. Instead of filtering through the charcoal, Dickel pours whiskey into 13-foot vats and allows the whiskey and maple charcoal to soak together at a temperature of 40 degrees. The rationale being this frigid temperature uh, is that Dickel claims the whiskey is always tastes better when it's made in the uh, colder month of the year. After the soak, it heads into barrel as well. I just like the idea of that to an extent. Like He's just like, nah, just try it this way. Why? I don't know. Let's see if it works. I like how it tastes. How we're doing it. Couldn't we do a more efficient, better way to... We put it in a barrel and we put it on ice. <laughs> I mean, he's like, you know, I think it tastes better when we make it in the winter. So let's find a way to keep that going. Yeah. Now, it's time maybe to talk about uh, the history of this, this style. Uh, distilling through the uh, Trans-Appalachian... Uh, Trans-Appalachia, sorry. Expecting an end there at the end of that. In the late 1700s uh, by Scots, Irish, and Welsh settlers who found the region theirs, if they could work it, uh, as they carved out, carved out homesteads, farms, towns, and communities, the art of distilling uh, found, its, uh, found itself somewhere within those top priorities. I'm pretty sure they started... Uh, thinking of the people there... They were distilling whiskey before so, they finished building a house. So being yeah. as we are from Appalachia, um, it ha- is on record in the county that we are from, Floyd County. The first uh, official structure built by the immigrants was a distillery. <laughs> there wasn't a schoolhouse. There wasn't a magistrate. There wasn't any official government buildings you had people coming in starting to build homes, and the first official public building was a distillery. You don't need the government. You don't <laughs> need fancy book learning. How are you going to have get a all school? the learning you need making whiskey? So how are you going to have a school when you can't drink anything afterward? <laughs> if you're the teacher. <laughs> oh man, I, I I let more of my accent slip out in that one than I was expecting. <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, let's see. Whiskey, then as now, was the medium uh, medium of the community and even uh, friendly competition. Parts of Kentucky developed an association with bourbon whiskey uh, in the uh, 1820s. Now, the source of the name can be, uh, is argued, whether it's associated with Bourbon County, uh, Bourbon County, Kentucky, or Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Uh, both, in turn, trace it to the Bourbon Dynasty in France, the primary hallmark of the cherry copper color, the liquid uh, that identifies as bourbon. Hmm. Uh, with the end of the Civil War, Southerners needed to find a way to make ends meet. Uh, Carpetbaggers, radical Reconstructionists, and the 13th Amendment all pushed for change. While the end of slavery was a worthy result, the costs were felt deeply. In times of uncertainty, people always fall back on what they know, and in Tennessee, what people knew was making whiskey. <laughs> Jasper Jack Newton Daniels' uh, precise birth date is up for some debate. His tombstone is in Lynchburg Cemetery, shows uh, 1850. Our precise research suggests that September 5th, 1846, uh, he was the last of his mother, uh, Lucinda's cook, Daniels, 10 children before her death in, yeah, in January 27, 1847. Yeah, Brittany, imagine how you're feeling now. (laughs) Now imagine doing it nine more times. Yeah, my my mom's mom... and then dying a year later. Yeah, my mom's mom had thirteen kids, so I'm not. Oh. Yeah, 
um, I gotta say, uh, his official tombstone might show 1850. It's kind of hard for him to have been born after his mother was dead. <laughs> no, he was born in eight, uh, 1846, and his mother died in 1847. Yeah, but it says but his, his official shows tombstone shows 1850. Research. Oh, oh, yeah. Suggested. Sorry, you're saying the other way around. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of hard, like, they're saying, oh, no, he he was born in 1850. His mom died in 1847. He was born in 1850. <laughs> Look, Immaculate Conception guys. works in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, his father, Calloway Daniel, uh, was himself a son of a Welsh immigrant, Joseph Daniel, and Elizabeth Calloway from Scotland. Calloway remarried and fathered at least three more children before dying in 1863 during the Civil War. Wow. Yeah. Uh, by the time of his father's de- death, Jack was estranged from his stepmother and managed to be all but adopted by the local lay minister, Dan Call. Like others, uh, Call, like others, supplemented his income by distilling moonshine. Hmm. Uh, so it's obvious where Jack got his start. It's less obvious is who taught him. Uh, Call's master distiller was a slave named Nathan Nearest Green. Uh, later recognized as the first African-American distiller on record in U.S. history, and to whom call apprenticed Daniel. So, Talk more I, about that later. I have, I, have, <laughs> I have mixed feelings about that. On the one hand, oh, good, we gave him credit. Also, slave. Yeah. Well, Green continued to work for Call after emancipation at, at the end of the war, which, not uncommon. Yeah. Uh, Business was apparently secure. Green's descendants, uh, for at least two generations, continued working with, uh, and then for, Jack Daniel in the distil- in distilleries. That's more depressing than I would like it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just immediately take a negative hmm. connotation with that. I was like, oh no, oh no, this this ended badly. It I sounds feel. better better later when we talk about. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, Anyway, uh, the character of Jack Daniels, the whiskey with the iconic black and white label and the equally iconic square bottle, is in, is inextricably bound in, up in the uh, distinctive character of Jack Daniel, the brand's founder and first master distiller-ish. Yeah. Uh, a physically diminutive man, about five feet two inches tall. Wow, shorter than me. That's... <laughs> That's saying something. Uh, Jack Daniel devoted his outside personal outsized personality to the ideal of making whiskey that, thanks to charcoal filtering and other factors, he could be proud to sell at a premium price. In the 1870s, uh, Daniel had lots of competitors around Lynchburg, Tennessee, and the, uh, distilling whiskey filtered through charcoal. He wanted his whiskey to represent something special, so he used the only iron-free cave spring water on uh, on his property and the finest grains, mellowed his whiskey by filtering it through 10 feet of sugar maple charcoal, then changed the car- charcoal out more often to produce a more consistent, better whiskey. In 1875, Daniel received an inheritance from his father, uh, and founded his own distillery. That's a long time for an uh, inheritance yeah. to come in. Yeah. And the dates been, are all funny. They must have been tied up. I mean... Yeah. Well, he had a lot of other siblings. Unless it was uh, unless it was his, uh, his you know, kind of adopted father, like surrogate father, really. Mm. The, maybe. 
But in 1875, once he received the inheritance, he uh, found his own distillery and he registered with Nathan Green. Like the man, the start of the Jack Daniels whiskey is also up for debate. The company co- co- claims 1866, but official records point to 1875. Man was not good with years. Yeah, no. <laughs> Record keeping, not a strong not, thing. I was going to say, a businessman who's not good with numbers. Well, so far, it's what what the company is claiming. It's true. Like, they're claiming for whatever, like, I guess they're trying to push the date back to beat some other companies to it, probably. Hmm. Maybe. But official uh, records are what I would go by. However, by 1884, he officially moved the distillery to Lynchburg and was one of 15 distilleries operating in Moore County. Jack Daniels entered the national, if not global, stage at the 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis, Missouri. You guys familiar with the uh, horrific horrific tragedy that uh, happened, you know, that led to and is about the World's Fair? No. I'm not either, but I'm just assuming there is one. <laughs> You're just going out there, I was like, is there one? I was like, that, that's news to me. Some Somewhere deep down, there is some tragic story to it, because there always is. <laughs> True. Uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, the fair was uh, an exposition of many great accomplishments of the modern age, uh, so it was not without pride that the distiller from Tennessee, the old number seven, won gold medal as producer of the world's best whiskey. Eh. <laughs> then, that <laughs> yeah. they could get their then. hands on. Uh, in 1907, Daniel turned the distillery over to two nephews, one Lemuel Lem, uh, Malto bought uh, bought the other out and continued as sole proprietor. While the product uh, gained public accolades for quality, the industry faced condemnation for a growing temperance movement. Oh, that sounds familiar. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, Tennessee passed prohibition uh, of distilling in, se- in 1907. So they they prohibited distilling. Yeah. Not even just having it. You just can't make it. Uh. Maltow challenged this before uh, Tennessee Supreme, State Supreme Court, but was defeated when the law was found constitutional. He split the distillery between St. Louis, Missouri, and Birmingham, Alabama. However, production from these distillers was hampered by poor quality control. Meanwhile, in 1911, Jack Daniel succumbed to blood poisoning. Ugh. Legend says by kicking his safe in frustration. <laughs> what? <laughs> Anyway, sure. the business—the business, it seemed, could not long survive it. It could not long survive him. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Wonder what yeah. actually happened because there's just a lot. Well, the company says charcoal <laughs> in his blood. <laughs> All right, so the temperance movement uh, succeeded on January seventeenth, nineteen twenty, with the Eighteenth Amendment and the Volstead Act. For Jack Daniels, uh, this merely federalized what was already a state issue. The law did not outlaw possession of liquor, just manufacture, sale, and transportation for beverage purposes. <laughs> you know, everything else you'd want to do with it. it it's exactly like uh, cannabis in yeah. Kentucky. You can, or anywhere. It is absolutely, completely legal for medical reasons to have it. You can just not... Grow buy it, it, buy it, take it across state lines. Or, it just like, magically or, had to appear for you. Yeah. Or get it in any way, shape, shape or form medically. Yeah. Exactly. But if you're caught with it, then it would be okay. But as soon as you have to explain where it came from, then it's not okay. Yeah. 
Whiskey distillers, however, were in the business to make money. Some res uh, resorted to making near beer. Others uh, reduced production to a minuscule amount for medicinal purposes. Uh, an exemption under the law with a doctor's prescription. A lot of, a lot of prescriptions given out back then. Yeah. Uh, still others... So still keeps sounding more and more familiar. Yeah, yeah. It's just like current situations, yeah. Still others uh, simply folded, and some were bought by George Remus. An mm. interesting name, if you remember our Cincinnati brewing history. Because mm -hmm. uh, Cincinnatian. Known as the king of bootleggers, George Remus, a lawyer-turned-entrepreneur of sorts, purchased controlling interest of uh, the Daniel St. Louis Distillery in 1923. The other tidbit uh, interesting for Remus uh, is that he is, was the believed to be the inspiration for uh, Gatsby. In the yeah, Gatsby. yeah, we've talked about that before, yeah. Among Remus's schemes uh, was to prepare a shipment of medicinal whiskey, then have it hijacked and sold on the black market at a profit. Another was to slowly remove a small portion of whiskey from casks in the rack house, replacing it with water by tapping... So that's how it got to 80 proof. <laughs> by tapping only small portions from each cask, he could avoid discovery. The tappers, however, were greedy... They removed so much whiskey that they dis that they were discovered by the government taste testers. This was known yeah. <laughs> this was known as the Jack Daniels whiskey case. But um, no, no one's going with that. You got a case. Got a case right here of Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels. That's just a bad dad joke. In 1933, prohibition ended. Yet states, including Tennessee, kept their bans in place. Uh, Motlau uh, became state senator and won repeal in 1938. <laughs> That's the way to do it. He Just was determined. Can't beat them. Yeah, get in there. Join them and then beat them to death with a club. <laughs> uh, the no, still... no, no, state senate, not not, not the <laughs> oh, actual oh, not the okay. federal senate. So we're not going on House of Cards on this. Gotcha. I was talking about the actual incident where someone tried to beat a person to death with a club in the Senate, but no, that was the House. That was the House. Jeez. <laughs> the stills were finally fired up that year, but ceased uh, between 1942 and 1947. Guess why? Due to government sanctions for World War II. You know, we're, this is just kind of like an echo of the Coors episode. You guys realizing that? Yeah. Well, it was a rough well, time. Well, it's a problem. Like when you hit, when you have long-lasting brands, and you hit hit the same periods, everyone goes, "Look, all of our stories are the same." Next time we have a history for during that period, we're just going to say prohibition and World War II happened. You know this part. <laughs> you know what happened. Yeah. What they had to do. They were selling pottery and blood and semen and <laughs> anything else to stay ice afloat. cream. <laughs> like mixed same with the blood they, and same place they sold the semen. <laughs> you say mixed with the blood and semen. I mean, it was weird times. Yeah. In 19... How do you think you get Chunky Monkey? <laughs> oh, God. Oh. In 1947, Montlau uh, saw production uh, begin again, but died that same year. Jesus. His children took over until 1956 when Brown Foreman Corporation bought the company. In 1972, the Lynchburg Distillery, still in production, was named uh, to the National Register of Historic Places. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. uh, while the decision to reduce the whiskey from 90 proof to 80 in the 1980s was lamented by aficionados, the whiskey company remains very popular and has diversified to meet the tastes of new generations while maintaining uh, consistency. Jack Daniels, 
uh, would recognize even today. So I've got to say, uh, I think that there's they. I, I'm going with you on this, Justin. That it's still just people sneaking sneaking a bunch out and replacing them with water. Mm-hmm. Yep, and just trying to kind of kind of stretch that out. Just, uh, Everyone thought. Tap. Everyone thought Pappy Gate was the thing when uh, the inside job. No, it's still going on over at Jack Daniels. The square uh, bottled old number seven remains the Jack Daniels trademark. As such, the company celebrates another tradition by refusing to relocate from where Jack Daniel founded his distillery, uh, Monroe County, which remains legally a dry jurisdiction. Liquor can be made, yet not sold or consumed within the county limits. So weird. In that, more than perhaps anything else, Jack Daniels is an icon of the American spirit, an enterprise uh, where different cultures uh, corporate cooperate. Co- cooperate and prove American uh, initiative is rarely idle when it comes to circumventing restrictive legislation. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna find a way around it. I, I promise you that. <laughs> Until the night, it, it, just look at everything now. Everyone's finding a way around it. Mm. Until the 1950s, uh, sales of Jack Daniels grew almost entirely through word of mouth, boosted by occasional media attention. In the in the 1951, Fortune uh, published an article on Jack Daniels that uh, chronicled its growth and appeal to such dis- uh, disparate. disparate disparate figures. Sorry, I didn't know if my eyes were crossing or something. Uh, as the 1950 Nobel Prize winner William Faulkner. British hmm. Prime Minister Winston Churchill and Hollywood director John Huston. Similar 1954. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just picturing Churchill just like Oh yeah. Tossing them back like they're they're going out of style. Oh, he would have. Yeah. He completely would have. Yeah. If Churchill could have had them intravenously, he would have. <laughs> sim- Taste wasn't the thing he wanted. He didn't know. <laughs> Give it. A similar 1954 article in True uh, one of the most popular magazines of the day put even greater emphasis on it being the favorite drink of entertainment celebrities such as Frank Sinatra, Jackie Gleason, and Ava Gardner. Sinatra called Jack Daniels Nectar of the Gods. I am surprised that is not on the bottles today because I would have it. it would just, <laughs> Nectar of the Gods, Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. And he sometimes wore a blazer with a patch for an imaginary Jack Daniels country club. <laughs> like, that's the most Sinatra-sounding thing I've heard. Just like, no. See? I'm part of a country club. <laughs> the Jack Daniels You just want to get drunk. And? <laughs> the first modern ad for Jack Daniels, uh... According to Nelson Eddy, uh, the brand historian, was a small black and white ad simply pointing people to read a magazine article. Probably that one. Yeah. <laughs> what is especially interesting about Jack Daniels beginning to advertise regularly is that demand then exceeded supply. From the mid-1950s to the mid-1970s, it was on allocation. Uh, the sales representatives would literally go into an establishment and just let them know how many bottles or cases they could have. Oh, uh, man, up- could you just imagine how, how good that would feel to walk in? They're like, look, I need – no, no, you're getting four. I need 20. You're getting four. Yeah, we have four it's available. Like, Do you want them? I can give you two. You want two? It's like some of the special beer releases today. Yeah, like, this is sure. what we're giving you. Good luck. <laughs> 
When other companies would pull back from advertising, uh, Jack Daniels spent money on ads to tell people they couldn't get it. <laughs> you want this, don't you? Too bad. Can't have it. No, that is genius, actually. Uh, the approach followed a 1955 one-page marketing plan drafted at the behest of Art Hancock, the brand's first marketing director, and uh, Winton Smith, its first national sales director, who envisioned a future based on the heritage that Jack Daniel defined. The one-page plan, Nelson says, codified Jack Daniels as authentic, made by real people in an out-of-the-way place. Their ads are distinctive not only for what they say, but for what they show. Black and white photography of these people in Lynchburg, Tennessee, who aren't in smoking jackets, but work clothes they wear every day to make the whiskey. And I've got to say, this was, it works today. You have, They're still doing the yep. same kind of ads, yeah. Country stars keep talking about Lynchburg, and everyone just goes on and on about Jack Daniels and Tennessee, and it's kind of nauseating if you ever have to listen to country music, not of your own choosing, for 12 hours a day, because you'll hear the same song 400 times. And it's... Well, there's only so many. There's like seven country songs. Uh, ever since that one-page marketing plan, there's been a singular focus on telling the lore and legend around Jack Daniels. The stories uh, use Lynchburg and its people, but the takeaway isn't Lynchburg. It's those universal messages about pride and being independent, making your own way in the world, and standing for something authentic. The special role of Lynchburg in the Jack Daniels brand experience led to opening the Jack Daniel Distillery to public tours. More than 200,000 people now visit the distillery every year. I'm not going to lie. If given the option, I would probably still go on that tour. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. I'd, I Why wouldn't stub my nose at that. I'd go down there. Uh, while Jack Daniels remained available only on allocation throughout the 1970s, popular culture continued to associate, uh, associate it with Maverick Independence, Paul Newman's anti-hero uh, titular character in the 1963 movie, HUD drinks only Jack Daniels. And rock musicians in the 1960s and 70s gravitated to it, uh, just as Frank Sinatra did. Look, uh, all you have to know is Lemmy. I was going to say, no one no one speaks more for Jack Daniels than, than Lemmy. Lemmy did. Oh my gosh, Lemmy drank so much Jack. That was like, his starter for the night was an entire bottle of Jack. Jesus. That was just how he started the night. Uh, like, not gonna lie, that man had a problem. Hmm. He had a problem. And he had lived for a yeah. good while. Like, he had nothing to do with, like, liver disease or anything, did it, when he died? Uh, no, it was cancer and pretty much everything. Hmm. Pretty much everything. He didn't feel right, he went to the doctor and they said, you've got the cancer of everything. He <laughs> you've said, you've got the cancer. <laughs> yeah, pretty Just much. blanket. He's like, oh, what should I do? There's nothing we can do, so just keep doing what you're doing, I guess. <laughs> nothing we can do. Chuck is to pour you a drink, and he just pulls out one out of his bag. Nah, I got one. Good. Just opens a bottle. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, no celebrities have been photographed more often holding or next to a Jack Daniels bottle than rock stars Keith Richards or Slash. The biggest... Or Lemmy. <laughs> or Lemmy. 
Well, I don't know how much he was photographed holding a bottle. Huh. He just drank. Just assumed. I just assumed it was like taped to him. He <laughs> drank it before. He wasn't doing an Edward Forty hands with it. <laughs> That's how he played the guitar, though, wasn't it? Like... <laughs> the biggest uh, selling song of 2010, TikTok by Kesha. Includes a verse about brushing her teeth with Jack yeah, Daniels. I've got that song in you my head. You hear now. the disdain in his voice as he had to read that sentence. When Hollywood <laughs> scriptwriters want to use shorthand to show that a character is somebody to reckon with, they still put Jack Daniels in their hands. Yeah. Uh, Jack Daniels made a positive out of uh, having to go on allocation, but it didn't want to, to frustrate large numbers of customers permanently uh the challenge was to increase supply of an artisan made product brown foreman tore down the existing distillery and built bigger facilities on the same site while the distillery employees continued to go about their work in the open air walking on temporary wooden catwalks built around (laughs) the still wow (laughs) they're just out in the field Uh man, I could have worked like that. Yeah, that would have been glorious. God, that'd be so awful in Tennessee, though. Like how hot it gets. Ugh. Jack Daniels uh, then grew into a global brand, almost tripling sales from 1973 to 1986. To support... Well, you know, when you can sell it, it helps. <laughs> yeah, when you've got product to sell. To support this growth, Jack Daniels invested uh, more in its archetypal uh, Lynchburg-focused advertising, which continued to resonate with customers. It also began to engage in an active way with popular culture through sponsorships. The now-famous Jack Daniels Barbecue Competition dates back oh, yeah. to the 1980s. Oh, man, I want some barbecue right now. So Jack I've... does go well in things like barbecue sauce. So well, We'll get to that. Uh, in the 2000s, Jack Daniels began sponsoring motor racing teams in the United States in Australia, in September 2010, they began uh, a campaign to establish a U.S. national holiday in honor of Jack's birthday, including a bus tour from Lynchburg to Washington, D.C. So when you said uh, motor racing teams, all I could think of is uh, 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 Night Ranger and Sister Christian just died. Motor racing. <laughs> Sorry. For July 4th, 2011, Jack Daniels launched a sweeping multimedia initiative to celebrate the independent American spirit. Uh, the oh, writer sorry. of this article said yeah. my favorite poster from the campaign reads, 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence. One man put it in a bottle. Ugh. It's a bit much. Uh, I am a... Yeah. Spirit of selling it out to someone else. <laughs> Spirit of selling to Brown Foreman. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so earlier we mentioned um, the the whole fun slave thing. Uh, well, that's got a bit more behind it than we, I don't know, would have anticipated. So uh, we gave you the history as it's understood now, but that hasn't always been the case. For years, visitors to ten- Tennessee's Jack Daniels Distillery have gotten a version of the history that goes down as smooth as a good whiskey. In if the 1850s, right. a, bre- a preacher and distiller by the name of Dan Call recognized potential in young Jasper Newton Jack Daniel and taught him to- how to run a still. But, <laughs> man, none of my preachers knew how to run a still. I know, right? 
Apparently, this one didn't either. 1800s. I had one that yeah, bought the entire first season of South Park for me on VHS. On VHS, if that tells you wow. when this was. Oh. It changed my life. Oh, God, we're old. Yeah. Uh, but as the best-selling whiskey maker approaches its 150th anniversary, the New York Times reports that the brand is revisiting history and embracing a more accurate historical count, in which Daniel was an apprentice to Nearest Green, one of Call's slaves. The story of Nearest Green was never one that Jack Daniels denied, but rather is just beginning to embrace, according to the Times. Green's existence had long been an open secret, but in 2016, Brown Foreman made international headlines with its decision to finally embrace Green's legacy and significantly change its tours to emphasize his role. In May, Brown Foreman officially recognized Green as its first master distiller nearly a year after the company vowed to start sharing Green's legacy. Daniel is now listed as its second master distiller. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, the company's decision to recognize its debt to a slave, first reported last year by the New York Times, is a momentous turn in the history of Southern foodways. Even as black in innovators in Southern cooking and agriculture are beginning to get their due, the tale of American whiskey is still told as a whites-only affair about Scots-Irish settlers who brought old-world distilling knowledge to the frontier states of Tennessee and Kentucky. That's not wrong. I was going to say, like, part of me wants to go, in fairness to white people, and then i just like, you know what, I really can't finish that sentence without <laughs> can, sounding like a that's jerk. That's never a thing that you can actually say, though. No, I mean, there is uh, a history there that a lot of uh, distilleries are really embracing and have been because uh, Buffalo Trace, you see it with uh, Freddie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, because his family, like, they have a legacy and they've been working with uh, whatever company has been distilling on those grounds all the way back to slavery. Yeah. Yeah. Which, again, makes me sad. Yeah, but it's nice, to, know, it's nice for the recognition finally, though, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, especially yeah. in this case. Yeah. Right. I, I want to say better late than never, but <laughs> yeah, it also rings kind of hollow. Anyway. Yeah, so Green's story changes all that by showing how enslaved people likely provided the brains as well as the brawn in what was an arduous, dangerous, and highly technical operation. In all likelihood, there were many other men like Green scattered around the South. Records are spotty though references to slaves skilled in distilling and whiskey making pop up in slave sales and runaway slave ads from the early 19th century. But only one of Man, them... Man, I bet... Oh, God, I'm just picturing some racist old plantation owner going, you get me back that boy, he makes me my fire water. <laughs> that's awful. It, I mean, it's it probably is, accurate, but... I'm just but... picturing, like, that's, that's how that ad probably read. Yeah, oh, that's true. And I'm like, oh god! Is it odd that this is this whole episode is making me want to watch Django Unchained? Uh, no, I feel like white people deserve to be shot. Yeah, like yeah. I want to see. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to see some white people getting what's coming to them. We say is three uh, very white people. Yeah, um, I was gonna say <laughs> says the three white people. Uh, I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Look, we know what we deserve. Yeah, we're we're honest about it at least. Uh, only one of them helped found a whiskey brand that today generates about $3 billion in revenue. In a May meeting with 100 distillery employees, including several of Green's descendants, 
Jack Daniels management outlined how the company would incorporate green into the official history, and that month the company began training its two dozen tour guides. And although there's no known photograph of green, the company placed a photo of Daniel seated next to an unidentified black man. He may be green or one of his sons, who also worked for the distillery, on its wall of master distillers, a sort of corporate hall of fame. Um... Yeah, that feels a bit racist. Um, well, yeah. Well, no, they're going on the assumption that it was Daniel the, and Green posing for a photograph together, or one of Green's sons, because well, that all that would have made sense. Yeah. It also just depends on how they label it. Maybe they just have a picture on the wall of Jack Daniel seated next to this person, and they don't they don't reference it in any way. They just have him. I have sitting a, next to him. I have a feeling that this was run by Green's descendants. They're like, yeah. we believe this to be Green or one of his sons. Is it okay with you if we put this up and say as such? Well, considering they were they were working there at the time, like yeah, yeah that makes sense to me. It, I'm just saying, like, there is a chance for that. Yeah, you know, like I, as they said it, I went, oh, this this could be bad. Yeah. But, mm. But yeah, it, it, I, I get where you're going there. Um, so uh, according to um, Steve May, who runs the distillery's visitor center and tours, we want to get across the nearest green was a mentor to Jack. We have five different tour scripts and each one incorporates nearest. Uh, I worked some long days to get those ready. Uh, beyond Jack Daniels, though, historical accounts of distilleries have mostly left out contributors made by or contributions made by slaves, who made up most of the industry's labor force and brought skill to the trade, focusing instead on Scottish and German settlers and Irish. Sorry, um, uh, I I do I do actually like the way they phrase it though. Like he was the guy who taught him everything he knows, and then afterwards he brought him into his business. And I want to think that they're like, come on in, because they're not going to let you know, the reality of the situation is they're not going to let you own anything to have this. Yeah, it was enough at the time that, like, yes, okay, you're clearly I, the guy who knows what he's doing, but nobody's going to I want it to be a much nicer story than, than it's possible it could have been. That's that's where my brain is. Yeah. One of the sources I saw wasn't uh, Green left for religious reasons. Mm. Yeah. And he walked away. Yeah, there was a lot of... Um, Which also is weird. fine. Back and forth. Just, yeah, but but so but at the same time, it also says his descendants kind of stayed. So like it was still like a family affair after a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see, Kevin Kosar, Kosar, a senior fellow at the R Street Institute, thinks uh, think tank and author of Whiskey: A Global History, says it's a difficult task to accurately tell business stories as Times reporter um, as this as this New York Times reporter did. That he was delighted that uh, Ryzen, the, the author, did what should have been done a long time ago and get past the old-fashioned business history narrative. It's a difficult sto- history to write because businesses are private and can control their own records and tell their own stories. Because of that, he says, American businesses often spin a great man model about visionaries who started companies. Oh, man. So, yeah, it is a little bit, it's more refreshing to see, like, okay, no, this is... Yeah, they stepped outside Chris, of that and said to hell with it. Chris, we need a whole show about the two of us just talking about great man history. Ugh, some of it's <laughs> just despicable. No, I know. 
just so we can yell at it. Yeah, <laughs> just so you can get angry, really. There's too many episodes like that, though. <laughs> Drinking uh, whiskey fair. and yelling about, yeah, the, the, now that... <laughs> just, that's just becoming drunk history. Yeah, we just we need a fireplace drunk, between angry us. History. <laughs> Sorry, if we have a fireplace, we're gonna have to have smoking jackets and pipes. I know that's how it would so start. Need a good, it, a good it would, green screen. It would slowly devolve as we were drinking whiskey, <laughs> throwing them into the fire. Yeah, as we get angrier. <sighs> no, and then the great is like, let's talk about Winston Churchill. <laughs> Socrates. <laughs> Jeez. Julius Caesar, burn the whole place down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, don't get me started. All right. So, getting past the history, <laughs> never. Uh, so Tennessee whiskey today, uh, it's one of the top exports of t- top ten exports of Tennessee, according to the Distilled Spirits Council of the U.S., which is a thing. As of 2013, the U.S. market for bourbon and Tennessee whiskey reached 2.4 billion dollars and exports of bourbon and tennessee whiskey grew to exceed a billion dollars so notice how they keep including bourbon in that number yeah i like to think uh the two billion is bourbon the point four is i'd have to think bourbon's probably higher but that's just, it is well, if uh, you're combining all of bourbon yeah and then all of tennessee whiskey yeah there's there's more bourbon than there is <laughs> yeah I, well, I don't know that for a fact, but my gut says that's true. My well, gut says, considering bourbons legally anywhere in the U.S., what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Well, Tennessee whiskey is anywhere in the U.S. as long as they use that. No, it has coal. to be in Tennessee. It has to. Be. Does it? Yeah. I, I didn't see the Tennessee part. I, yeah. I may have not have been paying it, much attention they, to what I was they reading. Ch- they changed it to where the you has to be aged in Tennessee. They have an oh, Appalachia yeah. on it, or yeah, I guess that's something like that. It. Where um, it has to be within the borders of the state of Tennessee. And there's another uh, weird caveat that uh, the aging warehouses can be no further away than one county from the distillery. Oh, yeah, yeah. To also be considered Tennessee whiskey. So it can be it can meet all the other requirements in the state of Tennessee, but if the aging warehouses are more than a county away from the distillery, it can't be labeled Tennessee whiskey. Oh, okay. Really the, weird the, it being made in Tennessee, I don't think is actually mentioned in our Tennessee... Oh, maybe I section. accidentally took that out. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. That's why, like, I was like, did I miss a section? But, nope. No, but so, no. but that is a thing. So there's, there's that. Fair I mean, enough. it's called Tennessee whiskey, so I'll give them that one. You know, like they, they just went for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it says okay, so there are two currently two major producers of Tennessee whiskey, which is another reason why in my head I'm like, okay, well, clearly there's more bourbon than 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 this. It's so not yeah. all Heaven Hill and Buffalo Trace. Yeah. So uh, you got Jack Daniels. owned by by brown foreman which we never played the clip uh we'll do it for the tasting i know because i I thought there was a transition and there wasn't and i was like well crap never mind uh and george dickel which is owned by diageo now which i did not realize george dickel uh it doesn't you know quite have that same ring um it doesn't daniel daniels has a very like yeah pleasant sound dickel there's no winning, yeah. Less so. Uh, it says there's other smaller producers, too. Nelson's Green Briar Distillery, 10 South, Benjamin Pritchard's, which I've actually heard of, which is weird, uh, and Collier and McKeel. Uh, in, 2000, in June 2017, the Tennessee Distillers Guild launched the Tennessee Whiskey Trail, a 25-stop distillery tour across the state to further promote Tennessee whiskey and local whiskey culture. They just keep copying us. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's their bourbon trail. Good for them. 
Um, I'm waiting for oh. Tennessee horses to eventually try and become a thing. <laughs> yeah. The Tennessee Derby. Come on down. We race donkeys around the track. <laughs> and our great Tennessee brown grass. Even better than Kentucky bluegrass. It's Ew. brown. <laughs> it's what we make our Tennessee hot browns with. Oh, oh my god. god. Oh, <laughs> Alright. Okay. Uh, so, speaking of Jack Daniels, the brand itself, we're going to go over some, essentially, what their different products are. Would so, a Tennessee hot brown just be a cow pie? Uh, <laughs> God. Oh, God. This, this is when we get into the weird state rivalry I was going to say, nonsense. this is a thing where like we're just like, boo. We're just being mean. Um, yeah, that sounds like, uh, perhaps... <laughs> Notice I'm still laughing, though. No, next car trip, uh, when we go down, we have to drive through Tennessee to go to North Carolina. We're going to go past a cow pasture and be like, oh, look at all that Tennessee hot brown. (laughs) I'm glad we're making plans for for the trip down, because we're we're getting a picture now. We're going to stop. Welcome to Tennessee. Uh, All right. So, bringing it back in. There are eight... Come, come sober one. <laughs> Chastise the children. Yes, that's my job now. Uh, <laughs> so there are eight uh, brands from uh, Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels. So uh, you've got, of course, the old number seven, which is their classic with the black and white label, the whole nine. Uh, then you've got the Tennessee rye, because everybody has to have a rye. <laughs> uh, and then you've got the single barrel collection. So I, I wasn't as familiar with this one. So this consists of the single barrel select, single barrel rye, single barrel barrel proof, and the single barrel 100 proof. So I'm kind of wondering, like, the differences in taste on those last two. I, I want that 100 proof because yeah. Casey and and our friend Jim have ruined me. Yeah, yeah. And I need a whiskey of a certain caliber, of a certain <laughs> proof now. Yeah. Or I'm just like, man, this is pretty weak. Uh, the next one, speaking of week, is uh, Gentleman Jack, which I've first, first, uh, first Jack Daniels ever had was Gentleman Jack. That seems to be the way to go because I... they offer a double charcoal mellowed. You can get it double mellowed. Yeah, well, that's what that is. So that's what Gen- Gentleman Jack is all about. Like I thought it would be like the one hundred proof thing. Like it would be, it would be stronger. But no, this is well, that's right. even in more Kentucky, smooth. Apparently, in Kentucky, a gentleman has a stronger beverage. Yeah. In Tennessee, a gentleman has a weaker, daintier beverage. Uh, are we? Are we not going to stop this? Okay. No. I was going to say a gentleman in Tennessee needs to be able to to enjoy it throughout the day, whereas a gentleman in Kentucky just needs it once. A gentleman in Kentucky has things to do. <laughs> It's have time to be sipping around. All right, do this. All right, the next. How gentlemen in Kentucky talk. (laughs) The next two are the flavored varieties, basically. So you've got the Tennessee honey. I came a hair of buying that just to see what that tasted like, but they did not have a small enough bottle of it. Yeah, sometimes you can find the little like airplane bottles of it, but it's yeah, it's still have to. Same thing for this next one, which is the Tennessee Fire, which is basically hot cinnamon. Well, they offer, at that point yeah. you're just you're just fighting for that fireball market. Yeah, basically yeah. it's just fireball. Basically, um, I want this next one. I gotta say, I want to find it. Yeah, the, the next one, which I yeah I've never seen this before, but it's the Sinatra Select. I 
love the idea of that, especially yeah. since he was such a big fan of Jack Daniels. That's a good. Oh yeah, and it actually does sound intriguing. So this one's made um, with special matured uh, barrels that have deep grooves carved into the staves. So essentially, it's like yeah. it's getting more, more in there, more more flavors and such. So it actually yeah, it is. sounds decent. Um, finally, and we talked about this a little bit before the show, because I've never seen this before, uh, Winter Jack, Tennessee Cider. <laughs> dun, 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 Yeah. That's all I can think of when I hear Winter Jack. It's like, all right, it's the Santa variant of Jack Skellington. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Um, so this is a seasonal blend of apple cider liqueur, old number seven, and holiday spices. Now, it prepares you for winter, but you can only buy it in the U.S. and Canada throughout the month of October. That is it. Mm. <laughs> also, is sriracha a holiday spice? No. no. What, what about Cholua? Cholua is an all-the-time spice. Yeah, I mean, thing. we go through liter bottles of it. <laughs> all right. Um... Uh... Oh, and we cooked with a little Jack Daniels. kidding we used a lot of jack daniels a lot because we don't f- around at breakfast <laughs> we don't <laughs> uh yeah too bad so, it's not breakfast yeah we had Should to be. i was it was really hard to find like the perfect if, if harley saying jack Every, daniels everyone just in your head you hear harley all the time going jack daniels yeah. <gasps> hold on hold on i got a i got a text here that we need to discuss on show uh because it says a Tennessee hot brown is, and I'm waiting for my phone to load. Oh, God. It's coming in from uh, from a friend of the show, Sean. Uh, Tennessee hot brown is when Dolly Parton twerks. Uh... Oh, God. <laughs> you should know better than text me when I've been drinking. Oh. Uh, All right, that but... said, that's fantastic, and he deserves a million points. Yeah, if we had something to give you, we would. All right, so uh, obviously (laughs) (laughs) uh, we've been drinking two theme this episode, drinking Jack Daniels Old Number 7, because you can get it in any size. You can get it from two ounces to liters to plastic jugs and everything. I went grocery shopping. I could have stopped over at the liquor store adjoining it Mm. and, and bought this, but instead I went to Liquor Barn, which... For other reasons, I'm glad I did. Oh, well, yeah. That's true. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things you said you found. Yeah. Now, are but, you drinking it straight, Bob? Okay, you are. Yes. I mean, yeah. So, I, ice just seemed like it was going to waste my time. Well, no, because... Well, you, you, you're doing both, so never mind. Okay. What? Uh, like, She's trying to shame me because I had a bottle of Coke to do Jack and Coke. Because I was like, I don't think I want to do it straight for like two hours. No, no, I'm not trying to shame. I was just trying to see, like, what if you guys did variations on it, you know, like, because yeah. it is, it is like that, that Jack is the thing that you mix with stuff, it seems. So I just didn't I know. wouldn't have minded a Jack and Coke, probably. I just don't keep Coke on hand. I didn't. Uh, right. I, I bought a Coke when I bought the bottle of Jack. I, uh, I just decided just to drink it straight, just to, to get that, that full Jack Daniels flavor. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Yeah, and that's. I, so again, we are drinking Jack Daniels Old Number Seven Tennessee Whiskey, eighty proof, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to the ninety proof it used to be. But I, I will say, like it's this the problem I have anymore now with uh, with any of the the higher 
Uh, we, we, with like whiskeys of any kind now, I'm just I've gotten too used to hundred proof whiskey. Yeah, so it's uh, so what do you get? Dig your nose in there. So I'm mostly I don't know. I feel like the charcoal takes a lot of the aroma out of it. it I'm smelling a lot of the alcohol. I'm getting faint hints of like the barrel. I'm getting mm. uh, some vanilla. Strong like vanilla. yeah, a little bit of vanilla from the but. Just not really getting a lot of spices. Not. It's no meant honeys. to be an everybody's kind of whiskey. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it, it's just it's it's very. I don't know. It, it, I'll say this, uh, and it's what I think I said before we got on stream. Unlike Jim Beam, it doesn't taste like peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I feel that like... said, on the actual taste, compared to what I'm used to, it doesn't have quite the same bite that I would be be wanting. But it's not bad. It's just kind of a just not exceptionally flavorful, though. Hmm. Yeah, so that's what I that extra filtering seems to just kind of destroy your flavor profile. Again, yeah, not bad. There's just no. not as much there as we're used to now. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like it, your palates have been expanded to the point that you're like, no, give me the campfire in a bottle. Yeah, my palate Whereas... was expanded to the point I had to put on some sweat shorts because <laughs> we weren't fitting in pants with buttons anymore and zippers. <laughs> but like, norm, I think it, 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 normal people who are not as familiar, like who've never had scotch, never had like a, a good complex bourbon, or are scared to try it for that matter. I think this is. Jack Daniels is like the step b- between Irish whiskey and bourbon of of uh strength, you know. Of, yeah, uh, I could see that. That's it's actually you don't you don't just hand someone like Eagle Rare or something. No, like, Here yeah. you go. Like if they don't yeah. know, you don't like scare them with <laughs> like Eagle Again, Rare I, or Woodford or something else. He was stuff we were talking about before the show, but I was having a conversation with a coworker where he's like slowly getting his uh his significant other to start drinking more hmm. like drinking at all. And he's like, yeah, no, I got him into like, I got, I got her into like Seagram's flavored, whatever. And I was like, he's like, yeah, I'm just getting her started. And I went, you don't, you don't start with scotch. <laughs> you don't, no one, you didn't start dive in head first. I mean, log of woolen wasn't <laughs> the first thing you gave her. Neat. It's, it's that mentality that uh, 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 <laughs> that me and Matt have when we go to amusement parks. No, find me the scariest thing you've got. <laughs> After that, everything's cakewalk. <laughs> Not everyone approves that plan. No, no. So the, Jack Daniels is like the safe alternative. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's it's the safe whiskey. Also, it's exactly like Jameson. It's dangerously crushable. Like, yeah, you could just was... start slamming it back neat, and before you know it, you're completely hammered. No one gets no one gets that offended when you do shots of Jack. No. Precisely. It's 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 easy to do. It's not, it's not super, like, you know, you, you don't feel like you're wasting a crazy flavor experiment, experience. It's just, it's there. It gets the job done. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a good mixer. It'll get you drunk. It will get Eventually, you drunk. In yeah. that same way that when I tried uh, 
both Bailey's and Jameson, I realized that I was going to fly out. You would find me dead in a gutter somewhere with that. <laughs> yeah, until it congeals and makes that nasty. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Everyone that's experienced just go. <laughs> now, going over the different versions that they have, I am still now that we've because I didn't know like half of this. Um, as far as the different like things that they make, I'm I'm intrigued by the single barrel 100 proof, and I'm also intrigued by the Sinatra one. I want to try the Sinatra one. Uh, you can get barrel picks. Party Source has a uh, Jack barrel pick. So I wonder how much how different they are from this like standard you know easy drinking whiskey guys we need to uh, we need to start working on trying to get some more uh more whiskey uh uh tasting episodes yeah, should maybe, maybe we'll try and fish up some more barrel picks we'll see what happens mm-hmm. because I, i'm pretty sure with a barrel pick you could probably pick a barrel of jack that's pretty pretty good yeah. pretty flavorful yeah. Hits on hits on all cylinders. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just picturing me trying to pick out my barrel. Just hold on, hold on. <laughs> this one, that's the one I want. God, not even I know tasting... that's not how that works. No, you're just... you're not even tasting the whiskey. You're licking the barrel. You're just that's walking, all the walking splinters. around the Rick House with your hands behind your back, just kind of like holding one and one hand in the other, kind of your head out forward, just kind of like sniffing lightly in the air, going. And then you, you zero in on a barrel, and you're like, mm. Man, you lean in close and, mm. Chris, you're describing exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Getting all the splinters on your tongue, and, yeah. Worth it. I'll, I'll be there with tweezers afterwards, and the mirror just going, eh. <laughs> all right, uh, subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. What was Brittany drinking? She, I was she like, couldn't he just drink. skips over me. <laughs> You're drinking water. Usually, usually Chris ends out our, our what we're drinking thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm drinking something different. Thank you very much. Uh, oh? It is a cold brew coffee, actually. And I'm only drinking it because it has a little caffeine meter on the bottom of the bottle that says it's less than 50 milligrams of caffeine. And I was like, sweet, I can drink this. Um, mm. I got it at during our Whole Foods excursion yesterday. Uh, because she didn't feel like crying on the toilet, she got yeah. Generally, um, I what, so it, that's not a life worth living. <laughs> exactly. So this is um, that was my thought. Getting three pounds of natural hot <laughs> fried chicken. Right. <sighs> but so this is a salted caramel cold brew coffee made with almond milk, um, and it's pretty delicious. I have to say, mm. like I really like it. Uh, salted caramel is just always a good decision, so there's that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't drink coffee unless it's a flavor inside of beer, so uh, I'll let you have that. Sure, but... sure. Well, that's fair because the caffeine thing, which and this isn't like like making me wired or anything, so that's I'm, I was happy. Yeah, but it would it would probably actually make me wired. Yeah, my tolerance for it is way down. That's Turns fair. out, twenty years of not having caffeine can have some some oh, yeah. side effects. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, good side effects try try being you know completely addicted to the substance and then you're just like yeah, it takes you know at least 300 milligrams before i feel anything anymore yeah that's frightening. <laughs> all right since casey's still gone uh subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com follow us at haveadrinkshow on social media and twitch.tv where you can catch a lot of weird things uh all of our recent happenings with uh 
Oktoberfest. I mean, you can watch us. <laughs> we we strapped a camera on us, and you can uh, follow us parading around at Oktoberfest Zinzanati. Plus, uh, plus the very tired after episode. <laughs> the very tired yeah. after episode, and well, you can listen to that. You've already listened to it. Yeah. And uh, you can see Jim Cook uh, coming out at 10 a.m. completely sloshed. And then uh, if you watch him clearly having three liters of beer while on stage. There are times I see him do that and I just go, why not me? (laughs) Well, you can also tell us your favorite drink, ask a question like, why not me? Or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. Uh, we're still waiting on those carrier pigeons to land. Uh, I'm also to... keeping an eye out for smoke signals. I'm back in my apartment so I can properly see them now. Starting to think there might be a strong wind and there might be uh, snipers taking down the pigeons. Hmm. Uh, All joking fun aside, guys, I'd like to remind everyone, please drink responsibly. Yes. Uh, so you can check us out next Saturday for our next live episode. And, of course, remember to check out patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. And once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>